worship and then to also welcome to our pulpit a special guest. We're so thankful today to have Brother Lewis Miller and his wife Becky with us. Uh, our state convention, Florida Baptist, if there's, uh, it may be cool outside, but tomorrow you should notice a hot streak because all the Baptists in Florida are meeting at Olive Baptist for the next two days. There's going to be a lot of hot air uh, in, in the room. Uh, when we all get together, but uh, we're, we every year our state convention comes together and, and we meet and we worship, and uh, as we're able to do that this year, uh, it's close to home in Pensacola, and I said months and months ago, I said, I'm going to get Lewis, uh, I'm going to get him before anybody else gets him, so that uh, when it's close to time and he'll be in this area, we're going to have him come and, and share with us. Lewis serves our churches all across Florida, but especially those in our west region, from the state line of Alabama, Florida, all the way to just this side of Tallahassee. He serves the churches and pastors in that area. One of the first people to ever give me a call uh, when I moved to Florida and just to, to let me know that he was praying for me. He prays for you. He prays for these churches. He cares about you. And we're honored today to hear from Brother Lewis Miller. Would you give him a round of applause as he comes to share with us? There we go. Good morning, First Baptist Milton. Woo, it's good to see y'all. I like this cool weather, don't you? Yeah, I'm a panhandle guy, and so I love when it starts to actually feel like the season it's supposed to be. So it's really wonderful to see you here today. I just had to say, you know, a couple of things before we get to the message this morning. Uh, Brother Ken and that choir showed out, didn't they? I tell you what, that was good. Yeah, come on, let's give the Lord a praise, huh? That's good stuff. Good stuff. I've never seen a soloist stand up and they clap before he sang, but that's pretty awesome. That's pretty awesome. I, I'm a little suspect of the back row over here in this direction, this guy named Nichols. Y'all keep an eye on him, if you will. We love Gary and, and Carolyn. We've known them. Well, they've known us forever, I guess. We're just getting older. But anyway, we love them very much and grateful for them and their service here. We love all of your staff. I'm going to tell you what, you got a, a jam-up staff and pastor, Amen. Yeah, come on. Let's do it again. There you go. I, I thank the Lord, even for Brother Randy. I mean to tell you, I love these folks. They're, they're wonderful people doing a great work. I've gotten to know Brother Bo in recent days, and I've enjoyed getting to know him. I want to commend you for Project Reach. That's incredible, right? Let's do it one more time. Come on. Lord, thank you. Thank you, Lord, for your faithfulness. Man, the Lord is good. Amen. And uh, you guys have been so faithful. I was thinking about as that was all being presented, what you are saying through Project Reach is, we love our families, we love the next generation, we love our community, and there's a place for you here. That's incredible. What a great message to your community and to each other and to the next generation. You know, there are some among this next generation who think we don't care about them. They won't be able to say that about you. Amen? Amen. And I'm grateful for you thinking and praying and giving towards this uh, great ministry. Pastor Jonathan, uh, I love you, brother. And I am grateful for the privilege to be here with you and Mandy today. And, and, and grateful for uh, the honor that it would be to stand in this pulpit today. Um, my, you'll, you'll quickly learn I'm not a great theologian. I'm not a, you know eloquent speaker. I'm just Lewis. And that's all right. I'm good being that because that's what God made me to be. Today's message uh, we had up on the screen a moment ago, God's mission and our future kind of goes right in line with that idea 
of Project Reach. Uh, for some of you, it's just going to be a, a reminder. You know, I think it was C.S. Lewis who said, you don't teach adults anything, you just remind them of things they've forgotten. <laughs> the older I get, the more I say amen to that. <laughs> but for some of you, it'll be a reminder. To others, maybe a challenge. And hopefully, to some, it'll be a new beginning today, this new beginning. So I'm asking God to speak to your heart and to my heart as together we consider God's mission and our future, all of us, our future. Uh, See, for the past several years, the Lord's been teaching me a lot about his church. I've been with the Florida Baptist Convention. I just started my 19th year, uh, or maybe I started my 20th. I don't know. I lost track. But anyway, been with it a while, and I'm still learning. It's amazing how much there is to learn the, the longer you live and the more you, you observe. But sometimes, what I've noticed, sometimes leaders of churches tend to forget, I mean, not here, but in other places where I go, they tend to forget, even members tend to forget that the church is his. The church is his. All right, now some of y'all need to get fired up. Some of y'all are trying to help me. Thank you for trying to help me. The rest of y'all need to come on. Let's think about this. The church is his, and we tend to forget that Jesus came to redeem people, right? He came for the purpose of redeeming people. So I want us to consider from John 3, 16, the most familiar verse in the Scripture, the super abundant grace and power of God shown. Listen to this. The super abundant grace and power of God shown despite the world's opposition and corruption. It was going on then, it's going on today, but listen to what John 3:16 says again. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Why? For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. Jesus did not Will you look at your neighbor and said he didn't come to condemn you? He didn't come to condemn you. Jesus did not come to condemn you. No, rather, it goes on to say, in order that the world might be saved through him. See, God's mission, the focus of God's mission is people. It's always going to be people. And the church is the people of God. We are the people of God sent with a mission. And the mission is God's mission. It's God's mission. And by the way, God's accomplishing his mission. He's doing it. He'll do it with us or he'll do it in spite of us. But he is accomplishing his mission. So that raised in my thinking, at least for our time together, a question. What do we know about God's mission? As his church, what do we know about God's mission? Well, we know that God's mission is redemptive, right? We know that, right? Okay, I check it. I thought maybe I went too fast on that one. Uh, it, it, we know that his mission predates the church. Think about this. Go all the way back to the garden. When God came in search of Adam in the garden, he hadn't lost Adam, right? No, he didn't lose Adam. What he was doing was he revealing to both Adam and to us his heart. What does it reveal to us about God? He is a searching God. He's here today searching for some of you. Who've been running from him. He's a seeking God. He's seeking for you to come into relationship with him today. And he is a sending God. That's us who claim to know him, right? We're to live sent lives. Sent lives. 
So God is on a redemptive mission, and we are blessed to join him in that mission. Amen, I'll say it. So your church doesn't have a mission. I want you to think, I saw your bulletin uh, handout I got there. On the back it said, our mission is, and I like it. I like what you got. But here's the reality. Your church doesn't have a mission. God's mission has a church. Amen? God's mission has a church. (laughs) And so as his church, we should be engaged in God's redemptive mission. Now, every time I make that statement, I think we should be engaged in God's redemptive mission. People say, yeah, really? Are you sure about that? We're supposed to be engaged? I mean, really? Where does it say that? Thank you for asking. Let's fact check that. Because, you know, we like to fact check things in our day and time, it seems. Let's fact check it against what Jesus said while he was here on earth. Okay, the first is Luke uh, 19 and verse 10. I'll get you started. You know it. Luke 19, the Son of Man came to, what was it? Seek and save. It's on the screen. And there it is. Yeah, the lost, right? The Son of Man came to, so, I mean, Jesus was clear that his mission was redemptive. Can I get an amen to that? Right? I mean, it's clear. It's not, anybody not clear on that? <laughs> I'm even clear on that, so I know most of y'all ought to be, right? He was clear about his redemptive mission. The second text is uh, Matthew 4 and verse 19. You remember the setting was some fishermen, sons of Zebedee Fishing Incorporated. There was Peter, James, John, and Andrew all cleaning their nets on the shore. And Jesus comes along and he says to them, what does he say? <laughs> hey, come follow me and you'll keep fishing. Catching fish. No, what does he say? Follow me and I will change your whole life focus. I will change your whole purpose and meaning. Follow me and you will become fishers of men, right? What was he doing? He was inviting those fishermen to join him in his redemptive mission of doing what? Fishing for people, right? Are you with me? Just say yes. Okay, I I mean, it seems to me he invited people to engage with him in his redemptive mission. One more fact check, just in case, and this is Luke 9 and verse 23 and 24. Again, Jesus speaking, and he says, if anyone, you know, says they're going to follow me, comes after me, you got to do three things. Okay, what are they? The first one is deny yourself. I'm still working on that one, right? Lord, help me deny myself. It means I don't get to do what I want to do. It means I trust him and follow his lead. You know the early morning prayer, right? Good morning, Lord. It's Lewis. So far, I haven't cussed or kicked the dog or said anything mean to Becky. But, Lord, I'm about to get out of bed. Right? Right? So help me deny myself today and follow you. Right? And then there's that second phrase in there. He said deny ourselves. But then he said we have to take up our cross. How often? That sounds like every day, doesn't it? <laughs> Daily. We take up our cross. What? And, and, you know, I go to all kinds of churches. Some sweet little ladies will come to me every now and then and say, You know, Brother Lewis, my husband, he's my cross to bear. <laughs> and I say to them, well, Your husband may be difficult, but that's not what Jesus was talking about, okay? <laughs> take up your cross daily. He's not talking about your husband, Okay. What was the cross? Let's stop and think about that a minute. What was the cross to Jesus? Was it not complete, surrendered, listen, egoless obedience? Right? 
They didn't drag Jesus to the cross, kicking and screaming, you know, like, oh, I'm not going to go, I'm not going to go, you can't make me. No, no, he went up there and laid his life down for your sins and my sins. He surrendered himself in egoless obedience to God's will. He denied himself and took up the cross. That's what we're to do every day. And then there's those two words again. Same words he gave to the fishermen, right? What is it? If anyone will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily. And what is it? Follow me. You know, follow me. We struggle with that in America. I mean, probably not here, but in other parts of the panhandle, I see people struggling with following him. Why? Because our tendency is, I know how to lead. I'm a leader. I was a born leader. I know how to lead. Watch me lead. You know, right? (laughs) Except that's not what he said. What he said was, follow me. You're not in charge. You're not leading. You're not setting. Listen, if you don't think we're... (laughs) Struggle with following. How you doing when that guy pulls out in front of you in that 55 mile an hour zone going 30? Get off the rock! You know what I mean? We start leading, don't we, from the windshield. <laughs> you see, see, he, there was a cost to following Jesus. He goes on and says, whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake, whoever gives himself away in serving, he'll find meaning and purpose. The reason for living, right? That seems what a lot of people are looking for today. So in a practical way, what will help us? How do we keep God's mission, that redemptive mission, as the focus of our future and of his church? How do we do that? I'm going to suggest three things real quick, and we'll land this plane. Let's go first over to Mark chapter 1. Let's see, I'm in John, so I'll be back to the left in my Bible. Mark chapter 1, just before Mark chapter 2, okay? Mark chapter 1, I, I want you to think about, the, there are three essentials I'm going to suggest for engaging in God's mission and your future. The first essential is prayer. Prayer. In Mark chapter 1, down about verse 29, we see the setting is where Jesus has come to the home of uh, Simon and Andrew, James and John. His mother-in-law is laying there, Peter's mother-in-law is laying there sick and he heals her. And let's pick it up at verse 32. It says in verse 32, that evening at sundown, they brought to him all who were sick or oppressed by demons. Okay, well, that would be expected. They've heard he's a miracle worker, and so they bring the sick and the oppressed by demons. Verse 33 is where it goes, say, what? Look at it. And the whole city was gathered together at the door. Everybody in Milton (laughs) was at the pastor's house. What? Yeah, everybody in town had showed up at the place where Jesus was. And he healed many who were sick with various diseases. He cast out many demons. He wouldn't permit the demons to speak because they knew him. They knew his power. They knew his authority. They knew he was the son of God. And then verse 35, it says, rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place. And there... He prayed. Jesus prayed. And Simon and those who were with him searched for Jesus, searched for him. They found him and they said to him, look, this this is a Baptist group right here if I've ever seen one. (laughs) Everybody's looking for you, he said. And and, and Jesus said to them, let's go on to the next towns that I'm, wait, wait, what? Yeah, let's go on to the next towns that I may preach there also. For this is why I came out. Can I, let, let me just ask a question or two. Was Jesus fully human when he was here on earth? 
Yes, he was, right? The scripture says he was like us in every way, tempted as we are in every way, and yet did not sin, right? So we know he was fully human, but that just raises a mind-blowing question. How then when, when... Now, keep in mind, I work with Baptist preachers. But when, it, when Peter showed up in verse 37 in the crowd with him, everyone is looking for you. I know too many guys that would say, let's take an offering. Come on now. We need to build a tabernacle. Let's get a revival meeting going. We got a healing thing going great. Let's keep it up, right? And yet look what Jesus says. He said, let's go on to the next towns and villages and preach the gospel because that's why I came out. Talk about mission clarity. Talk about mission focus. How in the world was Jesus able to be so clear and maintain his focus on his purpose so clearly? It's back up in verse 35. Rising very early in the morning while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place, and there he prayed. Listen, if you're trying to do life, if you're trying to embrace your future outside of prayer, I just say to you, good luck. Seems to me like that's a train wreck. I, I, I just think it, it's a mistake on our part to assume, I got this, God. You go help the people that really need you. Really? That's kind of arrogant, isn't it? <laughs> that we would think that way, and yet we don't pray. We don't talk to the Father. We don't seek his direction. Hey, guys, can I just ask you, <laughs> how would that go at home? I mean, don't answer that out loud. <laughs> She might be sitting close in arm's reach, you know. I have some guys literally say to me, well, you know, I told her when we got married, I loved her, and if it ever changed, I'd let her know. <laughs> Can I just say to you, <laughs> give her an update. <laughs> give her a recent update, you know. Hey, baby, I still love you. I want you to know, right? I mean, right? Communicate. How do we think we can do this life with all that it brings? Anybody not having challenges in life? Let me get my hand down. <laughs> right? How do we think we can do life and not pray? Prayer. Prayer is essential if we're going to engage with God in his redemptive mission and whatever the future holds for us. And some two or three of y'all at least agreed with that thought. So I will raise one more question. So what God-sized prayer will we pray for our future so that when it happens, only God can get glory from it? Right? You know, because if we don't pray God-sized prayers, question that leads to, what need do we have of God? Right? I mean, if we're not trusting him, what, what are we risking for God? I, I mean, this project reach is pretty awesome. Are we trusting him for that? I believe you are. But is that all we're going to trust him? Or have we got the rest of it? We can work all that out. Well, if you can work it all out, do you need God? <laughs> we're, we're supposed to be walking by faith. As I read that somewhere. Right? We were people of faith who trust God. So prayer is a first essential for engaging in God's mission and your future uh, purpose. Let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And talk about pursuing my purpose. I'll begin reading at verse 17 because one of my favorite verses in all of Scripture, 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 17. If any man is in Christ, what does it say? <laughs> he is a new creation. Behold, the old things are passed away and all things have become new, right? It may not be exactly how it was on there. If anyone's in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is passed away. That's pretty close. 
Have you ever been to church and met one of those people? You know those people. I got to say it. Have a seat. Right? You know, they're just warm fuzzies. <laughs> Not even close. Right? I've met some guys like that in churches where I go, and I'll ask a pastor, what's his name? George. I said, George's kind of gruff, isn't he? Oh, yeah, yeah. He's, uh, he's always been that way, though. I said, well, okay, hey, time out. <laughs> George Christian? Oh, yeah, chairman of our deacons. <laughs> what? What about this verse in old George's life? See, if anyone's in Christ, we're still becoming. We haven't arrived yet. You can't cop out and say, well, I've always been this way. It's just the way I'm going to be preacher. Get used to it. You can't do that. <laughs> or you've got to wipe this verse out. In your Bible. Because it says if we're in Christ, he's constantly changing us, growing us, helping us to become who he wants us to be more like him, right? And he goes on to say, all this is from God who through Christ reconciled himself to us and gave us. He gave us a ministry of reconciliation. Wow. And that is in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message. Did y'all hear that? He entrusts to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, since that's the case, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us. And we implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. Oh, praise his name. See, if we claim to be followers of Jesus, i got lots of questions, y'all. I'm sorry. i got lots of questions. But if we claim to be followers of Jesus, can I just ask you, who reconciled you? That's not a trick question. God, Jesus, reconciled us, right? I've heard people say, well, you know, I finally gave my life to Jesus. No, you finally got saved. You finally realized God was pursuing you, drawing you to himself. And in a moment of response, <laughs> he saved you. Praise his name. He saved me. For me, it was a Thursday night in 1971. Trinity United Methodist Church, Fort Walton Beach, Florida, Racetrack Road. Yeah, I grew up Methodist. Well, I don't even know about a preacher like that, yeah. Can a Methodist really get saved? Here I am. <laughs> Here I am. <laughs> Exhibit A. Yeah. Absolutely. And that night, Jesus saved me. And we began together a relationship. He and I, mostly him. You know, every time I think about my relationship with Jesus, I think about the story of the flea and the elephant. You heard the story of the flea and the elephant? You know, the flea's riding on this elephant, you know, going through the earth. Boom. Boom. And the old flea says to the elephant, boy, we really shook the earth, didn't we? Right? That's me. I'm the flea. <laughs> He's the elephant. Boy, we really shook the earth, didn't we? No, he saved me. Thank God. Praise his name. He reconciled me. See, it was my sin that made impossible a relationship with holy God. As I was as a 13-year-old in 1971, I had no chance of a relationship with God left to myself. No, he had to reconcile me. But interesting in this text, in this text, Jesus is both judge 
not counting their trespasses against them, and reconciler, entrusting to us the message of reconciliation, the gospel. See, the judge condemns or releases, and the reconciler restores. Restores. Think about this. If you stood before a judge today, and there may be some in this room, I don't know, but if you stood before a judge today, and he forgave you the penalty of whatever crime you'd committed, you'd be grateful. Can I get an amen? Right? You, you'd be grateful that he forgave you, whatever the penalty of the crime was. But you would also hope never to see that judge again, right? Can I get another amen to that, right? I mean, I'm glad to be forgiven. I hope I never see you again. I don't want to ever be back in this courthouse, right? That's forgiveness. He forgave you. But forgiveness alone is not what Jesus desires for us here. See, he wants you to be reconciled. And there's a whole lot more there. He wants you to not only experience the forgiveness of your sin, but also to be reconciled into a new, different relationship with God than you've ever known before. It transforms the whole purpose of your life. So now, we are ambassadors, right? Representatives of Jesus who has reconciled us. And we're no longer who we once were. The old has passed away, the new has come. Now we're in an ongoing relationship with Jesus that changes our actions. It changes our attitudes. It changes the very purpose of our lives. Every now and then I'll get asked crazy questions. Y'all don't have crazy uncles or relatives, do you? But I'll go to some of these churches and I'll say, Brother Lewis, we got a question. What are we going to do if them gays show up at our church? Yeah, that's the kind of questions I get. And I said to him, okay, I got a plan. You ready? Sure, what you got? Let's love them. Right? Let's love them. Listen to me now. Let's love them the way Jesus loved us. When did he love you? When you were dead in your trespasses and sins. In the middle of it. That's when he loved you. That's, how, that's when he saved you. But I also go on to say to those same folks, now let's be sure we communicate the whole of this message. Because the whole of this message is true. You, you ask yourself, is this true in your life? The love that drew me to Jesus won't leave me alone. It won't leave me alone. I'm like, okay, okay, I love you. I want to be in heaven with you, okay. He said, yeah, no, Lewis, I want more. Right? He's constantly changing me. He's constantly stretching me. He's constantly challenging me. You know, God, I really struggle with Randy. Yeah, I know. I want you to love him. No, Lord, I can't. You know, right? Huh? What? Listen to me now. The very love that you're going to offer to anyone who comes, you better tell them it's going to change you. You're not going to be who you always were. It's a transforming love. It's a reconciling love. It's a life-changing love. Amen? Woo! I'll shout, that was good. Man. <laughs> so it raised the question in my heart, and I'm passing it on to you because I think God gave it to me for you. How is being in a relationship with Jesus changing the purpose of your life? And don't, don't poke your face. Honey, he's asking you something. No, no. You. How is being in a relationship with Jesus changing your life? Prayer is the first essential of engaging in God's redemptive mission. Pursuing our purpose is the second. The last one we'll have to go over to Galatians. Let's go over to 
Galatians chapter 6. Galatians chapter 6, and that is perseverance. Perseverance. Just two verses here. Paul says to the believers at Galatia, Let us not grow weary of doing good. For in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then as we have opportunity, let us do good to who? Everyone. Let us do good to who? Everyone. And especially to those who are of the household of faith. In this final passage, Paul is basically saying two things. Don't quit. Don't give up. I know some people that retired and have gone AWOL. In the church. Oh, man, they taught preschool children in Sunday school. They were youth choir leaders. They were boosters of the band in the local community. And when they got 65 and bought an RV, they've gone AWOL. I mean, you can't find them. You don't know where they are. What in the world? Well, I think they're in the Smoky Mountains. Right? Listen, I love love RVs. I don't have a problem with RVs. I love the mountains. I, I, I go there myself. We can't live there, y'all. Listen, my age and older folks have a tendency to kind of fuss about the younger folks. They play everything so loud. Why Are they all deaf? Are they born deaf? They just play everything so loud? No, they really like to hear it. It's kind of like you did when the Beatles were coming along or whatever you listened to, okay? Just saying. But we... But it's like, well, if I can't have hymns and I'm quitting church, you know, good luck, preacher. I hope y'all do good down there. I ain't coming back. Are you kidding me? Who do you think you're holding hostage, God? No, you're holding you hostage. You now started to decline and decrease in your effectiveness, in your engagement in God's redemptive mission. I mean, have you ever noticed any time you tempt something God-sized, You're going to have difficulties and challenges, right? (laughs) Some people say, yeah, you don't understand. You're younger than I am. I got aches and pains. I got aches and pains too. Take an Advil and come on and get in here with us, right? Let's keep going. Let's burn out rather than rust out, right? I've heard preachers say, I believe that. So verse 9 encourages stay faithful, stay focused. Ambassadors don't quit because the work is challenging. Keep reading your Bible. You do keep doing that, right? You do. You know, I meet guys. They'll say to me, yeah, preacher, I probably ain't read three books since high school. I ain't much of a reader. And I say to them, good news. There's an app for that, right? <laughs> I mean, think about it. You put that version Bible app on your phone. You pick the translation you like. They got a British guy inside your phone that'll read the Bible to you. <laughs> and the Lord saith unto Moses. Right? I mean, he, it's right in there. How lazy do you have to be that God's word could be in your hand? And you say, well, I ain't got time to read, God. Listen, if you live in Milton, you're probably driving somewhere, right? I mean, just from here to Pensacola, take you 10 or 15 minutes. Turn that British guy on. Let him read the word to you. When you get the word in you, what happens? It changes you, doesn't it? You start thinking differently. You start acting differently. Our attitudes are even different. Yeah. Keep reading. Keep praying. Even when it seems like your prayers aren't affecting change. Keep telling the gospel story to those who are confused and hurting. Do you know anybody in this world that's confused or hurting? <laughs> I had one sweet lady came to a pastor friend. 
He said, Pastor, will you please pray for my son? He said, sure, what's wrong? He's running with the rough crowd. He's running with the wrong crowd. They're all hellions. He's going down the wrong path. He said, well, sure, I'll pray for him. And have you talked to him? He said, no, no. No, I, I don't want to run him off. And my pastor friend, in a moment of, I guess, not clearly thinking it all through, said, where are you going to run him to, hell number two? You just got through telling me he's going straight to hell on the path he's currently on. <laughs> See, love takes risks. <laughs> love says, listen, I'm going to talk to you because I love you, and I want you to know the reconciled relationship you can have with Jesus, right? <laughs> I mean, we just, we just can't keep making excuses. You know, I don't want to run him off. <laughs> we got to keep telling the gospel story. Because as his church, I believe this next scripture is very true. We are to engage in his co-mission. And the minute I say co-mission, I think back to the flea and the elephant. I'm the flea. He's the one really doing the redemptive work. But look what he says. Uh oh, I'm sorry. Let's go to the next one. Matthew 28. Nine, eight, there it is, 19, 20. Go, therefore... 18 says, Jesus said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Since that's true, go therefore and make disciples of all nations. Make disciples of who? You know, Santa Rosa Countyans. That's who we're supposed to be focused on now, our mission field right here. No, that's not what he said. He said, all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them the parts of the Bible you like the most. No, what does it say? <laughs> teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And by the way, you won't be able to do it on your own. So I'll be with you even to the end of the age, right? Jesus is with us. If the mission seems daunting, flee to elephant, right? If the mission seems daunting to you, remember, it's not dependent on you. He's already doing his mission. He just invites us to join him in it, right? Join him in that mission, Verse 10 of Galatians 6 reminds us that in whatever place or opportunity we find ourselves, we're to do good to everyone. Do good. We get a long way down the road of a gospel conversation if we just start with that mindset. How can I do good to this person who doesn't even appreciate me doing good to them? Right? I have a pastor friend who reminds young pastors, he said, we don't have the privilege. We don't have the privilege of being unkind that's a strong statement we don't have the privilege of being unkind do good to everyone every person is created in the image of God and worthy of love and worthy of the gospel so we should share that gospel we make every effort to engage with them in gospel conversation so that they can be reconciled with Jesus right but the verse doesn't end there he says uh, at the conclusion of uh, verse 10 especially to those who are of the household of faith. It seems like to me Paul is saying one way we can help each other to persevere, to keep persevering, <laughs> encourage one another. Strengthen one another. Don't give them that Baptist up and down, right? You know, I can't believe she wore that to church. Just look at her. Are you kidding me? That's not encouraging. <laughs> In case you thought that was your spiritual gift, that's not encouraging. It's not helping. Encourage one another. Strengthen one another. 
pray for one another, and certainly love each other as we've been commanded by the Lord himself, right? Yeah, yeah, but you don't know them guys in my class. They're tough. They're tough to love. I'm pretty sure Jesus knows every one of them, and he'll help you love them as you seek to do good to everyone. See, I believe, I'm convinced, in fact, we serve our Lord best when we serve him in a spirit of unity and perseverance toward that common purpose of his redemptive mission. So let me ask. i got three concluding questions and I'm done. Will you say, are you willing to say today, Lord, I, I pray for consistent focus on my engagement with you, Jesus. Consistent focus. That means... I'll put energy into it. I'll put effort. I'll, I'll push the play button and let the British guy read me the scriptures, right? I mean, it's... I will pray for consistent focus on my engagement with you, Jesus, and your redemptive mission. Number two, I will pursue my grace-given purpose of sharing the message of reconciliation that you entrusted to me, right? I mean, it's pretty cool to just be reconciled, right? I mean, it's pretty selfish to hoard that, you know. Now, that's the way some Baptists do, you know. I got reconciled. I'm walking with Jesus. I <laughs> wish you were. Too bad. <laughs> but I'm walking with Jesus. You know, I mean, come on, right? The gospel was not given to us to hoard. I love the way Robbie Gallaty says it. He said, the gospel came to you on its way to somebody else. We should share openly willingly lord i will pursue my grace-given purpose of sharing the message of reconciliation with everyone around me and third i will persevere i will encourage my family my church family to persevere even when we face obstacles and challenges i i I do know this and i'm done (laughs) you cannot join god in his work without first having trusted him by faith as Savior and Lord of your life. So let me ask you, are you ready? Are you ready today to take the first step of following Jesus? Why? Because he came to save you. God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that you might be saved through him. Will you be saved today? Everybody here already thinks I'm a Christian. What am I going to do? I go to Sunday school every week. They all think I already am. Doesn't matter. Which are you more concerned about? What we think or what he thinks? See, he knows you. I don't. I'm not up here trying to judge you. I don't know you. He does. And you do. So I'm asking you today. Will you be saved? Will you be born again? And church... Will you start saying, instead of doing church, I'm going to go and be the church in full pursuit of God's mission in this community and beyond. Let's stand together and pray together. Father, we thank you for your word. Jesus, thank you for saving us. Thank you for reconciling us, for giving us hope beyond our sinful state. If it were not for you, Jesus, we would have no hope. And so we thank you for the message of reconciliation that you've entrusted to each of us. Lord, there's some here today who've heard it. Maybe even it made sense to them for the first time. And today, they want to be reconciled. Not just forgiven. Yes, 
forgiven of their sins, but reconciled into a right relationship with you. Jesus, that's a work only you can do. So we ask you to draw to yourself today those who would be saved, those who would trust you for the very first time. I want to be born into the family. It doesn't matter how old or how young. Draw them to yourself this day. Lord, your word reminds us also that if we confess, we who claim to be your children confess our sins and that you are faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us. Some of us just need to come back. We've moved far away in our engagement with you and your redemptive mission and today we've sensed a need to come back and renew that commitment to you. I pray you'd move among us, Spirit of God. If there's a person here looking for a church family, I can't think of a better one than this church. You add to this family those that only you can add. Thank you for hearing our prayer, Father. Move among us is our request in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to have a song to conclude, and as we do, you listen for the Father's voice. You sense that he's drawing you. You come speak to Pastor Jonathan. He's right here. Would love to pray with you, encourage you, help you. There are others who would encourage you as we sing. Please come.